0: Welcome to the 34th Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure with adventure with with us. And welcome back, everyone, to the 34 Circe Salon. This is the Parallax Channel, and I am Sean Marlon Newcomb. We are going to be doing Classical Studies 101 today. It's an odyssey for us, so to speak. We are covering the odyssey, and this will be Chapter 14. As always, if you would be so kind as to leave a lovely rating or comment on whatever platform you are using to listen to this, we'd really appreciate it. It helps us get the word out. And now, without further ado, our Homeric scholar, here he is, Dr. Gary Stickle. Welcome, Gary. Hi. So, Gary, why don't you give us an intro to Chapter 14, maybe give us a quick recap of Chapter 13. Chapter
1: 13 was... Uh, about how is finally made it home to his home island where his palace is, Ithaca, and how he's helped by uh, his patron goddess Athena, the goddess of wisdom and defensive war that helps him throughout the Odyssey. And um, in order to um, protect him when he goes back to his palace, she wants to transform him into an old man so he's not recognized and killed by the uh, the suitors. There's over a hundred suitors, and they've taken over the palace, trying to force themselves, you know, to uh, marry the beautiful wife and queen. His beautiful wife and queen, Penelope. So she wants to protect him, and so that chapter ends by uh, Homer uh, presenting it this way: Athena stroked Odysseus with her wand. She shriveled the supple skin on his light limbs, stripped his russet curls, this is is supposed to be red-haired, by the way, from his head covering his body, topped him head to toe with wrinkled hide of an old man, dimmed the fire in his eyes, so was shining once. She turned his shirt and cloak into squalid rags, ripped and filthy, smeared with grime and soot. He flung over this a long pelt of abounding deer, gave him a staff and a bigger sack, torn and tattered. All plans made, they went their separate ways. Athena setting off to bring uh, this, his son, you know, this, his son Telemachus home from uh, from uh, Lycodemon, and Lycodemon is Sparta. By the way, uh, well, I'll get back to that, but anyhow, Chapter 14 begins like this, and uh, I'm using Robert Fagel's, as I keep saying, 1996 translation, which is easy to read, um, even though it's not totally uh, accurate as you'll see in this chapter. But anyhow, he entitles every chapter, and chapter 14 he entitles The Loyal Swine Herd, meaning uh, Pig Farmer. And he's turns out to be a major ally of Odysseus. And so the chapter begins like this. So up from the haven, now Odysseus climbed a rugged path. Athena had shown him the way to reach the swineherd's place. That fine loyal man, who in all the household hands Odysseus ever had, cared the most for his master's worldly goods. Seeing at the door of his lodge, he meaning Odysseus found him uh, and uh he talks about the swineherd made the walls of, of his uh lodge with his own hands, and then he made all these uh you know pens for his pigs and uh, so on, so it talks about that, and so he built a fence around his place, made of stone copped. Are topped with a fence of wild pear twigs, you know, intertwined. Okay, I made a painting of that actually for uh, my my uh, little 35-page version of the Odyssey. Whenever I get to publish that, um, and get this, the sacred numbers appear throughout the uh, chapter because uh, Homer relates how uh, you may have made 12 pig sties on his property. How about that?
0: And uh, for the listener, you have, and we have an episode on this, uh, a theory about a numbering system that appears in the Odyssey and its significance of the particular numbers. So uh, you can go back. We might actually rebroadcast that one. I think that's a, a good one to bring back for the listeners. But um, you can go back and listen to that one, and we'll probably bring it back for you soon. All right, one more thing I want to uh, jump in with uh, before we continue on is uh, you've talked about the particular translations that you use, and we've we've mentioned it at different times, but let's just re uh, let's mention it again for the listener. What uh, Odyssey translations do you recommend for people to use and to read?
1: well, there's there's, there's a variety of them uh, I'm blanking on the one that uh, a lot of scholars. <laughs> You know, uh, uh, favor right well, now. Well, you mentioned the
0: Fagels one. Um,
1: yeah, there's another one. Uh, I, I'm I'm just blanking on it right now. Sorry.
0: I, that's fine. No worries. I'd have to see which one I'm using as well. Um, okay, so I'll continue on with chapter 14.
1: So anyhow, and then uh, Homer relates how Ulysses had uh, four dogs. Now, four isn't a sacred number. Um, but uh, get this, he had uh, men working for him and he had, and it said three of them. So he sent them off three men, three is a sacred number uh, to take care of the pigs, herding them there here and there, you know, and so on. Um, And then he sends a fourth man into town with one of his hogs so that he can um, give them to the suitors for their dinner. So the suitors are demanding food from them. Okay?
0: Mm hmm. Okay.
1: All right. And then, as Odysseus the is walking up to the um, lodge or shelter, you know, the little shack, you know, of uh, Eumaeus, the dogs start barking. I can relate because the dogs here where I live now bark all the time. It really bothers me. But, you know, the, the dogs were barking and were snarling at Odysseus and so on. Uh, it says Odysseus sank to the ground at once. But the, the swineherd comes over quickly and, uh, you know, brushes off his dogs with curses. And he throws rocks at them. Uh, Wait, who throws said, rocks at the dogs? Yeah, that's what it says. Wait,
0: Odysseus does?
1: No, no, uh, Eumaeus.
0: Eumaeus, okay. I, I, I was about to say. And it's also a horrible, yes, action. So different era, as we talked about many times about the behaviors uh, in this ancient world. Some aspects of the ancient world behavior, the the aspect of welcoming strangers and guests is wonderful and beautiful that we don't maintain in I mean, modern culture. I can see culture. him beating
1: him back with a stick, which he also has, but it says uh, he scattered them left and right with flying rocks.
0: Right. I mean, I was saying that uh, there are some aspects of ancient culture that it would be nice if we still maintain them, that welcoming of strangers. And some aspects, like, of course, slavery uh, and abduction that are well left in the past, in the rearview mirror. So uh, it is always interesting to read ancient works and just to see the differences and similarities
1: over time. Yeah, and the mentality and so on. Indeed. And then uh, he talks to... uh, Odysseus he says you're lucky to be alive old man a moment more my my uh, pack meaning his dogs would have torn you limb from limb and then you would have covered me with shame and and he says here I sit my heart is aching broken for him my master my great king meaning Odysseus because he doesn't recognize the disguised uh, Odysseus and um but anyhow, he says, uh, you can rest here and have your fill of bread and wine. So this is part of this ancient Greek custom of being very, uh, you know, welcoming to guests and and, and wining and dining them, you know? Yeah, we've there seen you, it
0: several times in the, in the Odyssey where he's brought in, he's welcomed, he's given a bath, he's given some place, to, or or even his son, given some place to sleep outside so uh it it just you know sight unseen without ever asking where the strangers are asking anything about them they're just welcomed in
1: yeah and, the custom is called Xenia in, in mm-hmm. english x-e-n-i-a Zenia.
0: Mm-hmm. so it's a good uh, good one for the listener to remember Zania. and so that custom says, is, is, is on that, is that note interesting, meaning, amazing. You know,
1: that he's going to wine and dine them mm-hmm. the loyal swineherd led the way to a shelter and showed his guests inside and sat Odysseus down. Um, and then the king, meaning Odysseus, delighted to be so well received, thanked the man at once and said, My host, may Zeus and the other gods give you your heart's desire for the royal welcome you have shown me here. He says, Royal welcome. And of course, Eumaeus doesn't well know that he is giving him a royal welcome because it is Odysseus, the king, you know. And then, and then Eumaeus responds, saying, "It's wrong, my friend, to send any stranger packing, even one who arrives in worse shape than you. For every stranger and beggar comes to us from Zeus. So they justified their uh, charity and, and good host behavior, you know, to strangers and so on, by saying that if they didn't, you know, Zeus would be angry with them and, and would punish them."
0: Well, you know it's interesting too. I was hearing that and and maybe taking it from a Christian ethos. It sounded like you know when we often say we're all children of God, and so you should treat everyone like a brother or a sister because we're all God's children and we're all brothers and sisters so it's a it's a very it's a it's a beautiful sentiment i think Absolutely. i think I think it's really, really nice to hear
1: and then he, um tells us just how uh, he says, "My king." Among other warriors, went to the stallion land of Troy to fight the Trojans to save Agamemnon's honor. It wasn't Agamemnon's honor; it was actually Menelaus, his brother, because uh, you know Prince Paris took Helen away from uh, Menelaus and took her to Troy. So he just goes on and say, uh, you know, he gives him a, a bowl to eat from and. Uh, he's just being as nice as he can be. And he says, eat up now, my friend. It's always slaves of God. So Eumaeus considers himself a slave. Then I guess is uh, bought at some point. Uh, but actually, it says in here that he, he bought a slave. So I guess in Bronze Age Greece, you know, slaves can buy slaves. That's kind of bizarre to me.
0: Yeah, like in... Uh- like a piling on of misery, so to speak. It's like slaves buying slaves, buying slaves. Not exactly. In contrast to Zania, not the most beautiful sentiment. Okay.
1: And then Eumaeus goes on to condemn the suitors. Um, And uh, he talks about their dark hearts are stocked with the dread of vengeance. And the suitors know uh, they've caught some God-sent rumor of... uh, my master's grisly death. So you may believe Odysseus is dead. And that's why they have no mind to do their courting, meaning courting of uh, Penelope fairly or go back home in peace. No, at their Royal ease, they devour all his goods. Those brazen rascals, they never spare a scrap. So anyhow, he's condemning the suitors, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, uh, and then he starts bragging about Odysseus, which, you know, isn't true, but it just shows his great uh, opinion of reverence, you know, for his master, King Odysseus.
0: Which I'm sure Odysseus loves to hear.
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely. He says, my master's wealth was vast. No other prince on earth could match his riches, which isn't true. He was like a minor king compared to Agamemnon or Menelaus and so on, you know. But he says... Um, uh, no 20 men in the world could not equal his treasures. Let me count them off for you. A dozen herds of cattle, again, the number 12, right? Back on the mainland. In other words, those cattle are kept on the mainland, not on mm-hmm. the island. Mm-hmm. Uh, as many, meaning a dozen head of sheep. As many droves of pigs, you know, 12. Of goat flocks, 12. And so on. And he says uh, the goats are kept uh, here on Ithaca, you know. So the number
0: twelve popping up a lot.
1: Yeah, and he says that his his job is to tend to the, these pigs, I guard them, pick the best for the carousers, and send it to their slaughter, and send them to their slaughter.
0: Just to uh, just to point <laughs> out, you you pointed out that twelve represents the Olympian gods. I right?
1: think it does. That's just my mm-hmm. uh, hypothesis, you know. And so Eumaeus is being a good host, and he's condemning the uh, suitors. And then he talks about Odysseus. He said, even though he's dead and gone, leaving me a, a broken heart for the loved ones he's left behind, for me most of all, never another master kind as he. I'll never find one, no matter where I go. I'm longing for him. Him that rings my heart, Odysseus, lost and gone. And then Odysseus responds. So he's disguised, but he's trying to reassure Eumaeus. And he says, my friend, the great Odysseus, long in exile, uh, on my oath, I swear, Odysseus is on his way, meaning on his way home. And he says, I swear by Zeus, first of all, the gods. Okay. That uh, that Odysseus will return. So you may have says, well, that would be good news, essentially, you know. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think he's skeptical, but
0: Yeah, yeah. Seemingly in this chapter, he doesn't really believe that's gonna happen. I mean, it's been a long time, let's be real, right? Yeah. You've got the, the length of the Trojan War and then his entire length of his wanderings. He's finally home. We're finally at the end of it um or coming to the end of it uh, how long i mean specifically would you say how long are we into what year are we into uh odysseus's wanderings at this point
1: oh this this is year 20 it's coming back that's what
0: i thought yes okay 10 years
1: of trojan war 10 and years 10 years the, in the, on the run so but but at this point it's year
0: 20 yeah year so 20. i mean yeah I'm, yes you might imagine i guess he would be skeptical I mean, if you had someone that you knew who was in war 20 years ago, and the war ended 10 years ago, and you still hadn't seen him, you'd probably be like, well, maybe, you know. Right. Uh, it was interesting. I just saw a story just uh, on the uh, sort of side of a, of a Air Force pilot who went AWOL in the early 1980s, and they just found him. So, ah. interesting. So, that's over 30 years. So, Did
1: they find him alive or dead? No, he's alive.
0: He's alive. He took another... Yeah, no, they didn't just find his remains. They found him. I mean, in other words, like, I mean, not exactly like Odysseus, who had a noble... Well, I'm sure
1: they arrested him for being able.
0: Yeah, exactly. His wasn't exactly a noble uh, odyssey, but anyhow. All right, so, you were saying...
1: So, anyhow, um, then you may as go to talk about Telemachus. Uh, And... um, Telemachus too, the godlike boy. How I grieve for him now! I can't stop, but just his son. Uh, the gods reared him up like a fine young tree, and I, and I, I have often said, in the ranks of men, he'll match his father, his own dear father. Amazing in build and looks that boy. However, now those gallant, and he's being sarcastic, I'm sure. Those gallant suitors lie in wait for him, uh, for Telemachus sailing home, and uh, they lie in wait because they want to assassinate him, so he can't assume the throne of of uh, Ithaca. And um, now it's interesting. Last night I watched this uh, episode on the uh, History Channel about the Colosseum, Roman Colosseum. Right and he talked about this uh, patrician i forget his name but um he was he was super rich but he thought that his influence with the emperor was waning this is like 400 something ad and uh and so he wanted to hold these games they call it you know gladiatorial fights and fights with uh, you know beasts lions and tigers and so on Uh, in the uh, Colosseum to boost his uh, status and spending equivalent millions of dollars to do so today, you know? And so what happens is um, they, um, uh, you know, he, he arranges for all this. He he has trouble getting the animals. He got a bunch of crocodiles from Egypt and they all died, you know, and decided to, quarters uh you know in the coliseum and stuff like that um mm-hmm. and uh he got some about a dozen saxons that he captured in england i guess and he was going to um uh have them fight to the death as, you know which is what they did with those grizzly you know gladiatorial duels and everything uh, and they don't want to you know support what he's doing so in in their um, locked in quarters there in the Colosseum, they all commit suicide. All twelve of them. Mm-hmm. So he's he's really upset about this. But anyhow, the, the games are going on and these two gladiators are going at it. And at that time, the Christians were rising up in Rome, mm-hmm. and so this Christian can't stand it anymore, and he thinks it's so terrible that these are fighting to the death. And he he comes out and he uh, stops the two gladiators from fighting each other and says, "This is wrong. I'm a Christian, and we we got to do what's right." And guess what his name was? What? Telemachus.
0: Wow, that's interesting.
1: I thought it was very interesting. Well, you and know what, the, the, the Romans, the, you know, were mm-hmm. upset. They stoned him to death. But anyhow, that leads to the end of the games, and basically the end of. Uh, the utilization of the Colosseum, and it leads to the downfall of Rome.
0: Well, the interesting thing is, so you said it's around 300
1: or 400 A.D., right? Yeah, so 400-something four, A.D.
0: So the, the distance from that moment to Odysseus, because that's about 1200 B.C., we believe, or yeah, earlier. Okay, so that's 1,600 years. We are as far from that moment as the people of that moment were from the the, uh, heroes of the Odyssey and the Iliad. It's an interesting thought. Like, we are as distant from them as they are from that. So that's how long ago, just for the listener, that's how old these stories are we're talking about. That they were ancient, even in the days of ancient Rome. So um, it is interesting to remember.
1: I I never heard this story before, but it's a series on uh, History Channel. I think it was the final episode, actually.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So anyway, um, we are we are dealing with ancient tales, so, uh, so please continue.
1: Anyhow, Odysseus, for some reason, just loves to go on with tales about what he is, and, you know, it's not not the case, and all that sort of thing. <clears throat> so he starts telling this whole story to Eumaeus, how he comes from Crete, the island of Crete, mm-hmm. and that uh, he was prominent there and everything, and uh, and he had a wife there and everything, and uh, and then he, he did fight at Troy, and he talks about um, uh, I gave nine commands. I led to our deep-sea-going ship, so he, he led a contention to Troy. You know, he's lying about that. Mm-hmm. But nine is a sacred number, and like we talked about in the other podcast about that uh, Rita Hayworth movie, you know,
0: Mm-hmm, down, from, um, down to earth, right?
1: That we talked down to earth, That we're talking about the nine uh, muses. Well, he uses right. nine commands here and everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he talks about how they fought nine whole years. Again, the number nine with the Greeks or the Achaeans at Troy. Mm-hmm. On the 10th, we sacked Troy. And then he talks about how he set sail, and he, he went to Egypt and all this sort of thing. And it, it's all just uh, made-up lies that he's saying. Well,
0: Odysseus clearly likes to spin yarns. We know that. He yeah. likes to tell stories. And, you know, what it makes me think of is, uh, you know, I'm a fan of espionage uh, stories and espionage movies and shows and, and watching lots of them right now. It's, it's like he's building his cover. He's making a really deep cover and a deep story for his cover. So it's an early sense of tradecraft. But, uh, yeah, I think mostly it's Odysseus just liking to tell tales and spin yarns, so... So, okay, so he tells the that, and, uh, and then where, he does, where back we, yeah.
1: To, you know, complain about the, uh, you know, the, the suitors and everything and how they're, quote, get this, I'm not sure this is an accurate translation, this line, that the suitors are going to eat them out of house and home, mm-hmm. while they're scot-free. You know, I think scot-free is not, not a valid translation. I, I don't think the Greeks even knew about the Scots. Yeah, I'll have to look up the origin of that
0: word. Let's see if uh, let's see if we can get a quick quick take of where that word comes from. Scott free uh, without suffering punishment or injury. Uh, and where is it from Yeah, it has to do with the Scots. So um, not all, not a good choice, I would imagine in that case.
1: So to me it just shows the fault and uh, the translation. mm-hmm. And then he talks about Zeus as the God of guests, you know, again, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, and then he sets about to uh, give Odysseus, uh, uh, you know, a good, a a good meal and everything. They constantly talk about that in the Odyssey, you know, Um, and then uh, And then he talks about how Odysseus slept after the meal, you know, before he goes to the uh, palace. Okay, and so
0: so Eumaeus is a good host.
1: Yeah,
0: a welcoming host. So here,
1: Odysseus slept, and young hands slept behind him. I guess, meaning the young uh, men of uh, Eumaeus, but not the swineherd. Uh, not his style to bed indoors. Apart from his pigs, he geared up to go outside. It warmed his heart that he may have cared so much for his master's goods, meaning the pigs, that he, he went out to uh, sleep with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, then out he went to sleep where his white tusked boars had settled down for the night, just under a jutting crag that broke the Northman's blast. And, and that's the end of the chapter.
0: All right. Well, a very, very interesting uh just sort of slice of life chapter, for me at least. It just kind of gives you a sense of what the world was like then uh, in that in those truly ancient times. Well, first, thank you, Dr. Gary Stickle. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. This has been the Thirty Four Circe Salon, the Parallax Channel, Classical Studies 101. This is the Odyssey Chapter 14. My name is Sean Marlon Newcomb. Thank you for joining us and God bless.